I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. On today's episode of Just Healthcare Daily, we hear about how the coronavirus pandemic exposed an overspecialized and inflexible healthcare workforce and what kind of changes may be coming. It's Monday, June 22nd, and I'm Alex Olkin with GIST Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines in health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find the show. The coronavirus pandemic has stretched the American healthcare workforce to its limit. GIST Healthcare's Senior Vice President Jennifer Stewart says COVID-19 has uncovered how the workforce has grown brittle and overspecialized. Stewart is an expert in healthcare workforce issues. She says the pandemic-related revenue losses will force health system leaders to reconsider labor costs, workforce flexibility, and automation. Here's some of our conversation. Health systems are posting big losses because of canceled elective procedures during COVID. And I wonder whether the furloughs and layoffs we've been hearing about will be enough to make up for the deficits. The short answer is furloughs and layoffs alone aren't going to be enough to make up for all the canceled elective procedures. But the bigger point, and I feel like what people aren't talking about, is the fact that what the canceled elective procedures showed and what really the larger pandemic showed is There's larger challenges with underlying cost structures of hospitals, and labor is a huge part of that. So looking over the last decade, there was huge growth in how much labor represents of a hospital's total costs, and that has to be fundamentally changed. So how should health systems get a handle on their growing labor costs? There's a couple different ways hospitals need to think about changing their labor cost. The first is There are always some very comfortable short-term cost-cutting measures that organizations will always lean into looking at administrative ranks. And for a number of reasons, hospitals are notorious during good times for having the proliferation of the special director title. Times are flush. We all create directors of special projects. And then times get lean and hospitals go through and cut all those titles. That's important work. It's probably step one. Step two is we need to look at making the workforce more flexible. One of the things that COVID and the pandemic really exposed is in many cases, we had an imperfect labor market. So staff were being furloughed in one part of the organization at the very same time. Other parts were really strapped and folks were frankly struggling to find enough staff. So we need to find ways to make that labor market more efficient. Uh, That includes things like cross-training, preparing people to work in other units. 
then you need to shift into things that really go to fundamentally changing, I would say in many ways, radically restructuring the underlying cost structure, thinking through what jobs need to be done by people. Are there some things that we can automate? Um, For instance, a lot of back office tasks can probably be done by automated processes. And the thing about automated processes is they work 24-7. They're not likely to be subject to social distancing. They're not going to be contagious. And so in a lot of ways, I think COVID exposed the opportunity for a lot of work that traditionally has been done by people to be shifted to machines and automated processes. And I think once that process starts, it's really going to catch on like wildfire. Healthcare workers have been through a lot, working long hours and in some cases risk their safety treating COVID-19 patients. And now they're watching their colleagues get laid off or furloughed. So how do you think hospital executives can effectively handle this delicate situation? There is a high possibility that the healthcare workforce is about to become incredibly angry and incredibly resentful of the experience they've been through. And much of that is understandable in terms of a shortage of PPE, in terms of the uncertainty over when the surge would hit, in terms of uncertainty over uh, being furloughed at the same time other peers are being asked to step up and work harder. And I think the way leaders recover that, it is a known playbook, but it is hard to execute well. And the way you recover from that is, one, a commitment to solving the PPE challenges and making sure caregivers are safe. Two, it's strong communication around the health of the system and what are the top priorities. And systems that are going to be able to engage their staff are those that can show they're making meaningful sacrifices in certain areas, be it administrative salaries, be it investment in non-critical, non-clinical services, and reinvesting that into the frontline care. And doctors who've spent years training to specialize in very specific fields or even subfields um, have ended up being called back to hospitals to treat COVID-19 patients. And some have argued that the medical workforce has become overly specialized. What about the thousands of young nurses and physicians or, or those still in training? Do, they, do you think there's going to be a move towards generalization? I think one of the things the pandemic has exposed is the healthcare workforce is too brittle and it's too inflexible. And by that, I mean, we are over-specialized. And we saw this play out in a number of ways. When you're looking at providers in a hospital, what we found is many of them weren't cross-trained or hadn't recently worked in an ICU. So they weren't prepared to flex into that environment. So they either weren't able to, or frankly, they felt unprepared um, and uncertain as they were asked to step in. The other way um, the workforce was really inflexible is providers were really less able to flex between different care settings. So as we saw people be scared or hesitant to return to a hospital, they wanted to receive care Virtually, they wanted to receive care in other settings, and providers, frankly, hadn't been cross-trained for that uh, environment either. So looking forward, I think there's a huge opportunity for providers earlier in their career to be better cross-trained and cross-trained earlier in their careers. And one of the big 
opportunities here is I've done a lot of work in the past looking at new graduate nurses, new graduate providers, and one of the things they're thirsting for earlier in their careers is more exposure to critical care. Traditionally, hospital policies have been that you've had to earn that opportunity over several years. And if leaders are smart about this, I think there's a true opportunity to safely and thoughtfully pull forward that training so that there's a larger pool of staff who could really step in if we need to have that surge capacity for waves two or waves three. The pandemic has amplified some conflicts between staff and administration. Over the past few months, we've seen nurses go on strike to protest not having adequate personal protective gear and some doctors speaking out. Um, Many nurses are already a part of unions. But do you foresee union membership growing out of the pandemic? I think that's a really strong possibility. What the pandemic has done is it's really served as, in many ways, a strong platform for unions. Because what unions have been able to do is, one, use all of the shortfalls in the pandemic response to highlight the need for better protections for staff. And they've also been able to advertise what they've been able to obtain for their members. So looking forward, I think there's a small window of opportunity for hospital staff to um, work with administrators and get what they need. But if leadership doesn't step up and ensure staff have the personal protective equipment they need, if they don't have the protective gowns, if they don't have the right um, staffing protections, unions are going to step into that void. And I very much see them spreading not only from nurses, but potentially into medical residents as well, and also expanding into parts of the country or, frankly, organizations where they haven't had a strong presence. So one thing I wonder is we're talking both about flexibility while we're talking about possibly increased unionization, and those seem to be two opposed things. And I'm wondering if you see those two as a potential clash. I very much foresee a clash between unions and the push for increased flexibility, floating between units, um, floating staff between different care settings. And in fact, when I talk with hospital leaders and we look forward into the future, we can envision a strong upside scenario where one of the results of the pandemic is we have a flexible workforce. Caregivers are able to float between different units, different settings. We might even have new care models. And we're really freeing up um, scarce dollars to pay for those clinical staff. The downside scenario is one in which unions Um, really come to power. They, in many ways, fossilize their current care models. They fossilize the current staffing models. They uh, fossilize current wages. And as a result, there's very little ability to flex staff, to innovate. And frankly, I think we could get locked into a very costly um, model that really reflects the needs of the past. That was Just Healthcare Senior Vice President Jennifer Stewart. Thanks for listening to Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olgan. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on JustHealthcare.com. Just Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.